Hello, and welcome to One Single Thought, the podcast where two Christian single women take theological deep dives and bring perspectives on life mixed with levity and joy. Hey, Heather. Hello. How are you? I'm great. Welcome back to Studio WSC. So today, Heather, we are recording episode seven. Can you believe it? Is it really seven? It's really seven. I can't believe it. Mm. So there's a statistic out there that says that most podcasts, when they start, don't make it past episode seven because Mm. they just kind of fizzle out. They get tired of it. They don't want to do it anymore. So I say we're up for the challenge not to let that happen. Don't they say that about marriages, too? Year seven is one of the hardest years. Yeah, like seven or eight. Mm-hmm. So I guess seven episodes is equivalent to know. seven years of marriage? Wow. <laughs> That's rough. But also seven, we know, for we know from studying the Bible, that seven is often considered the number of perfection. Yes. So that leads us to today's topic nice and our one single thought. So, Heather... Well, the topic for today is something that is at top of mind for both of us, and I think for most believers, and it's how to grow in holiness while still enjoying that freedom that we've received in Christ. So in other words, what should obedience to Christ look like, and how do we faithfully obey His commands without giving in to legalism? And so considering how we draw that line between pursuing holiness and being legalistic, which we're going to define in a second, but how we draw that line, this has led us to our one single thought for today, which is how to be perfect. How to be perfect. So Rose, what does it mean to be holy? And what does it mean to be legalistic? What does legalism actually mean? And what does holiness mean? So holiness, as it relates to Christianity, means that we're set apart. We're to be like Christ. To be holy as God is holy. And that's what holiness, that's how we would define it in, for our discussion today. Now legalism, or legal being legalistic, means that we are very focused on obeying the law, on doing good works, and sometimes people often talk about legalism or become legalistic because they see salvation as something we earn through obeying the law and through doing good works. When actually the opposite of legalism is mm-hmm. grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, salvation is, th- is through grace, not by works. And when we talked a few weeks ago about the prodigal son, we talked a lot about the Pharisees. So Heather, do you want to tell us who the Pharisees are again? The Pharisees were religious leaders of the time of Jesus' day, and they had essentially taken the law of Moses, which all of Israel and the Jews were living under, and they had twisted it to include additional rules and regulations that weren't in that law. And then holding themselves, actually holding other people to the standard of living that they didn't necessarily hold to themselves. And so they were very, very much bragging about their holiness Mm -hmm. and their law keeping while kind of winking at their own indiscretions, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then holding the people to a standard that they cannot meet up to. Yeah, they would be probably the epitome of hypocritical Mm -hmm. when it came to that kind of thing. But So the Pharisees in the Bible that Heather just so eloquently described, they would be considered followers of legalism. That was really how they lived their life. And, And Heather explained, you know, not only did they have this 
setup of obeying the law and, and, and the law, in a lot of ways adding to the law, uh, they didn't follow that as much as they critiqued others mm-hmm. on how they followed the law. And especially Jesus. They were... Mm-hmm. They would hunt him down to see whether he, whether or not he was actually following the line of the law. So we look at this, we see holiness, setting apart, being like Christ, being holy as God is holy. And then we talk about legalism. But we've talked about legalism a lot in Bible, in the Bible times when the Pharisees were mm. sort of the, the leaders of that movement of legalism. Heather, what, do, what does it look like today in today's society to be legalistic? In many ways, it's similar to that ancient mindset, but it's following strict rules and adding standards to your way of living. You're adding things to what God expects of you, and you're keeping rules in order to earn points with God for your salvation. So you are basically working for your salvation hoping that the Lord will reward you for that, reward you for all the good things you do. And then also you follow the rules to keep your salvation in place. And that also flows out to the relationships. So like the Pharisees and the Jews, today, if you're a Christian and you're entrenched in that legalistic mindset, that's going to flow out to your relationships with others because you're going to be holding people to an impossible standard that they're not able to meet. And so you can become very judgmental towards them. I think we're real apt to add to the law as well. Mm-hmm. So even I think in our daily lives, Heather, I would say that there are times when we're legalistic, which is mm-hmm. kind of why what the question is we're talking about today is where do you draw the line mm-hmm. between holiness and legalism? I think a lot of times, you know, I'll look at something and, and be very legalistic about it. An example, when I grew up in church, and it might be the same for you, Heather, is that mm-hmm. there was a lot of strict, unwritten rules about your dress. Like, mm-hmm. women would wear dresses, not pants. Mm-hmm. Men would wear suits. Even my dad, goodness, he wore a suit yeah. to church till the day he died. Even though that's that's not something that is really, that's something we're adding to the law. Yeah. And so I think even in today's society, we, be, we can be very pharisaical about those things. Right. Especially if we're holding other people to it mm-hmm. and saying that they are sinners because they're not wearing dresses. Right. Ooh, look to... at her. She's wearing jeans. Ooh, oh my goodness. Yeah. So essentially that's keeping rules for the sake of keeping the rules. It's not, it's not something that's in scripture and we're just, we're keeping the rules because we are holding ourselves to those rules. And it's not because you're trying to go in holiness necessarily. It's just because you want to be checking off the boxes a lot like the old Southern Baptist offering envelopes. If you grew Ooh. up in a Baptist church, yes, those offering envelopes that had on the front, did you read your Bible? Did you invite someone to church? Did you, what were some other giving, um, was it a are you giving taught, box? Did you, are you taught, did you tithe today? Did you attend the Sunday school? Yeah. Those, yeah. That was almost traumatizing for me to fill <laughs> out my envelope as a yeah. young person. Going, okay, am I, because it actually used to, at least some, the version we had, had the percentages, and it would add up to 100%, and so you'd put on there 100% Mm -hmm. if you made it, there was also a place to put contacts that you made during the week. Oh, yeah. Did you call somebody? Did you send a card in the mail? I mean, it was quite the conviction of those little envelopes, but that could lean into legalistic. Although it's important to do all those things, I think the mm-hmm. method in which yeah. we were trying to encourage it was not good. Mm-hmm. 
because it, it was more, again, of a legalistic way to do it. So I think that's how I think, that's why I think the balance, the yeah. line between holiness and legalism can be tough. Because we thought that was normal back in the day. Mm-hmm. So the opposite of keeping all those rules is to grow in holiness because you really want to grow in holiness and to be more like Christ. So Rose, what does it look like to be holy as opposed to being legalistic? So I think when we pursue holiness, and it's funny, we just finished this study at our church, The Hole in Our Holiness by Kevin DeYoung. Mm. I'll link that in the show notes in case you'd like to look, get that book. It's a really, really good book. But one of the things that he explained in the book is that holiness is not perfection. Although we are pursuing holiness <clears throat> to reach to be mm-hmm. more like Christ. We're never going to be like Christ this side of heaven. So if we're pursuing holiness, what does that truly look like? And what does that mean? And I think our pastor, Dr. Cook, has said this so many times where he has said, it is like one, two steps forward, one step back. That's what our spiritual mm-hmm. journey is like, pers- yeah. pursuing towards holiness. And scripture in 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, it says, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So God is commanding us to be holy. Well, then what does that look like? And mm-hmm. what is your question? What does it look like to be holy? And it was really interesting how in the study of scripture through this book, The Whole in Our Holiness, we talked about just the simplicity of, of what it means to be holy, mm-hmm. which is, we should be in prayer on a regular basis. We should be praying daily, having communion with the Lord. We should be a student of the scripture. We should be studying our Bibles, mm-hmm. reading scripture daily. We should be involved in serving in our local church, loving on others, serving others, being a part of the church family, which is the bride of Christ. And those things sound like a Sunday school answer. Like, yeah. Okay, well, there should be more to it. But I think we create these checklists of this is how you're going to be holy when in all honesty, those things are what we should be doing every day mm-hmm. in our pursuit for holy to, to get to holiness. Yeah. I think we spend more time asking more legalistic questions like, did you wear a dress to church today? Mm-hmm. And instead of we should ask, what is the Lord teaching you this week? What have you read in scripture? What is God teaching you this week? And keeping those things top of mind instead of a checklist of works. Because then we've moved in from, moved from a salvation by works type theology to a a holiness through works theology, which is wrong. Mm -hmm. So I think what it looks like to be holy is that we live a life committed 110% to Christ and that we are filling our lives with the things that are going to draw us closer to him which is prayer reading our bible studying scripture and being part of a local church not only where we can be we can sit under the strong teaching of of sound doctrine but also where we can serve and be a servant to others Mm -hmm. heather as we talk about our topic question today why do we struggle with that balance well we we want to be holy we want to be like jesus and so when you're we're, when you're a true believer, that's something you're really seeking, and so you tend to. Fo- I think as human beings, we tend to want to earn approval. 
and that's just the nature of being human. I mean, we we work for a paycheck. We do things to be on our parents' good graces. So when you're a kid and you, you obey because you're going to get rewarded or you want your parents to be, be happy with what you're doing. And so we have that throughout our lives and our relationships and everything. We are inclined to want to seek approval and to feel like, especially as Americans even, we are so individualistic and we want to make sure that we are we're earning our keep essentially and I think it's really hard to get that mindset out of your head uh, especially when you think about grace that you didn't do anything to earn it and so I think as a true believer you're going to wrestle with that balance a lot you're going to really struggle with am I doing this because I really want to become more like Jesus and I'm really wanting to be holy or am I doing this because I'm just trying to keep all these rules and there's some areas where that's a little gray but I think on the other end of that, there are non-Christians or people who are maybe misguided in their theology. They don't, either they don't think it's necessary to keep the rules and they don't care, or they are in that mindset that, no, you have to keep all these rules. That's what it means to be a Christian is to fill out all those check boxes and to dress a certain way and to meet all these standards that are not in the Bible that we're holding ourselves to. And I think that's the other end of that. And so we're trying to find that balance between being totally lackadaisical and then being so rigid that you can't do everything. Right. You can't meet the goal. So Rose, do you have an example of what that struggle would look like where it's truly a battle in your mind on whether you're being legalistic or if you have freedom to not follow a standard that you can't really see in scripture? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think there is an extreme, especially that can happen even when things that you're doing are not bad things. So, mm-hmm. you know, we think of legalism as we're going to point out the sin in your life and what you're not doing and maybe things that are made up that aren't really sinful. But I would say that one of the ways I think we can struggle with that is that we we don't know how to say no or have a balance in our life when it comes to, let's say, church service Mm -hmm. or uh, church involvement. Now, understand what I'm saying. I'm I'm definitely not discouraging people to go to church or to be involved in their church. Everyone should. But I think there comes a time where some people are stretching themselves so thin that they Mm -hmm. have no personal devotional life. So they're, they're almost living a life of legalistic works. Mm -hmm. So anytime someone offers up a a volunteer opportunity, they're going to accept it. Now, most churches love that and that's great. They'll eat that up. And a lot of times churches are so desperate for volunteers that they're not going to be the boundary setters here Mm -hmm. that you're going to have to be that. But if you, you know, you may have come out of a very difficult situation. background you may have come to know Christ after a, a life of fornication mm-hmm. and terrible living and so now even though you believe in salvation through grace alone by faith alone is how we how we follow Christ you may just feel almost like you're serving quote unquote time by volunteering to do everything under the sun yeah and while that's a commendable, it's sometimes not always advisable. And if we look at the basics of holiness, are you sacrificing time with the Lord because you're involved in so many things that are good things, mm-hmm. 
that you have no time for yourself to to spend in personal devotion. I think that's where we can have struggles often. The flip side of that is we we can get so lazy we make excuses for yeah. not for not wanting to serve in the local church or not wanting to do mm-hmm. something. But I think that's why it's a difficult balance. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's oftentimes a lot of times it can be good things, but we've somehow skewered it based on our motivation. What's our motive behind yeah. it? Like another example is what your quote unquote quiet time with the Lord should look like, mm-hmm. and holding yourself to oh I'm going to spend an hour every morning reading the Bible and praying, and then if you don't do it, you're a wretched sinner because you have not completed your obligation. When there's nothing in scripture mandating that every morning you have to get up and spend an hour Mm -hmm. in Bible reading and prayer. And yes, you do need to spend time in Bible reading and prayer and growing your relationship with the Lord, but that's because you want to grow that relationship and not because again, you're checking off the box on the offering envelope Mm -hmm. because I know I struggle with making sure that I'm spending time with the Lord because it's a desire to spend with him, spend that time with him and not, Oh, well, I need to, f- to complete my hour <laughs> of Bible right. reading. Mm-hmm. And if I haven't done it, a lot of times I just give up because I'm like, well, if I can't do an hour, then I'm not going to do it today because I don't have time. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it goes down into this spiral. And then I'm condemning myself all day long when, you know, I've got time the rest of the day that I can make for it or, or in the evening. And usually that's what ends up happening is that I'll end up spending my time with the Lord in the evening. But that's one area where we tend to, Christians who are walking with the Lord closely and who really are trying to grow in holiness, they can really beat themselves up about those types of things. Mm -hmm. What your spiritual or inner spiritual life looks like. Right. And, you know, I'll be honest, there was a few years ago, probably seven or eight years ago, when I, I really wanted to crave the word. I didn't feel like I was craving it like I did it. More mm-hmm. like a checking off a box. And I tried all sorts of different methods. I would, I tried reading the Bible through in a year. And although I did it and I checked off a box, I did, it didn't impact me like it should. Then I decided to just start reading scripture every morning, reading through some devotionals, whatever. And I just prayed, Lord, you know, change my heart. And after, over time, it, it did. It changed my heart to where mm-hmm. I wanted to do it. But that also doesn't mean that if I have, if I wake up one morning or something's going on and I don't get to spend any time with the Lord in prayer or in Mm -hmm. the Bible, that I can't beat myself up because scripture says his mercies are new every morning. It's a new day. Tomorrow's another day. And being legalistic is saying that if you don't read your Bible every day, you're going to hell. That's what a legalistic viewpoint is like. And honestly... Satan loves for that to be the case because then if he thinks you'll believe that lie, that if you don't read your Bible every day, that you'll fall out of favor with God, then he will keep nudging you in that direction to where you just, Mm -hmm. like you said, you just decide, well, I can't do it at all because I can't give an hour, so I won't give anything. Right. All right. So, Rose, I have another question for you. What do you think is the key to being perfect when we have to balance those scales of holiness and legalism, what's the key there? I think that we have to think about how it's a lifestyle change. Th- that pursuing holiness has to become your lifestyle. I mentioned earlier the different things that we talked about pr- 
praying each day, being mm-hmm. in the Bible, being in, infused in a local church. And I think there's a now, and I love analogies. So one of the analogies that I think of is diet, that mm-hmm. terrible four-letter word. <laughs> so let's say you're on Weight Watchers, and Weight Watchers has this point system where you have to count points, or you have different colors, and I don't know, mm-hmm. all this stuff. But mainly they go by a point system. And so your goal is you have X number of points based on how much you weigh now and how much you want to weigh in all food. Some food are zero points, some food are X number of points. And so let's say you've got 25 points you can eat in a day. Mm -hmm. So that's a very, in my mind, very legalistic. Now I have tried Weight Watchers once Mm -hmm. and I I was horrible at it because all I did was think about food. which made me hungry all the time. Now, I did another diet right before I got sick, and it actually was working, and it was called Noom. Now, this is not sponsored. This is not a (laughs) sponsored analogy, but the basis of Noom is their program is more of a lifestyle change. So they try to teach you how to uh, learn what foods are you know, better for you than others. They do use colors, red foods, yellow foods, and green foods. And they tell you, you're going to start and probably eat a whole lot of red food. But as you go along, as your lifestyle changes, then you will likely be eating more yellow and green foods, which are more whole foods and more non-processed foods. Mm -hmm. And they really encourage you to pick one thing to work on each week or every few weeks to, to whether that be increasing your water intake or whatever. And so I didn't feel when I was on that program that I was being beat up and it was a legalistic thing and I I lost weight. And of course, once I got Mm -hmm. sick, I lost a lot more weight. But the program, if you join it, once you go through a full cycle of a year, you've pretty much seen all their Mm -hmm. content because it talks a lot about, you know, scientific information Mm -hmm. on how our body responds, how there's a lot of myths like eating six little meals a day is not always going to help you lose weight and whatever. So look at that like living a life of holiness and versus living a life of life of legalism. And so I feel like we need to look at it from our lifestyle needs to change. Mm -hmm. Whether that is what we watch on television to reading the Bible more being a part of his his family and his church his church whatever that is being making that lifestyle change and yeah. putting yourself in that lane is going to help <laughs> you pursue holiness and and lean further away from legalism mm-hmm. i think you know motivation really matters and yeah. so if our motivation to do something is to be more like christ then shaching yeah. that put that in the plus column but if our motivation is more of well i feel like i need to do this for -hmm. people to like me for god to like me god already loves you Mm -hmm. but he wants a a relationship with you so pursuing holiness and being motivated by him is what matters there's a song which i cannot remember the name of it but the line in the song is do you love the giver more than the gifts do you love the healer more than the healing and i think that's real convicting because we need to love christ more than anything else that we do Mm -hmm. any other accolades we receive and i think the more that there is attached to tangibly do to get a check mark on the list or a check mark on the offering envelope Mm -hmm 
if that's the motivation, then I don't think we're loving Christ like we should. Yeah, and that, um, I was going to jump in there with the talking about changing our lifestyle versus just meeting the requirements and how that leads to failure. Because I know that a lot of people, and it, it does work for some people that I know of. You know, I've known some people that, that this works for, but basically... If you're in a sin pattern and you decide, you know, you've repented and you're ready to move forward, there's some people who are able to say, okay, it's been 20 days since I've done this sin. So they, they're looking at this thing in the past that I'm no longer doing. So we'll just use the, the obvious example of alcohol. So mm-hmm. if you're an alcoholic and this AA, I believe, that does the, you count your sobriety the days of sobriety but for for me that doesn't work to to look at just sins in my life that I've put to rest put to death I think it really does take a a shift of your mindset and a focus so the only the only times I've ever really been able to mature past certain sins and to put those those sins to death has been when I have started looking at Jesus as the one who can do that and not my own strength which I believe looking at okay, it's been 10 days since I have done whatever I wasn't supposed to be doing and now I'm moving forward or it's been a year and, you know, that's a great, if you're able to celebrate that and continue in that purity, then that's wonderful. But I think for a lot of people that sets them up for failure because it's basically saying you're doing this on your own power and what you should be doing is like, okay, I've been delivered from this and I can't remember the last time I've done this sin because... I don't want to do it anymore and it's it's out of my life and so I think that whole mindset shift that you're talking about is so important and that can only come from the Holy Spirit that change in your heart Mm -hmm. so Heather how do you think accountability helps us when we deal with this challenge so we're, we're trying to balance you know pursuing holiness but not being legalistic what is how does accountability play into that uh, accountability, you know, how that works is just having someone, a trusted, mature friend who's going to hold your feet to the fire. It's not somebody that's going to go out drinking with you. I'm just going to use drinking as an example because that's <laughs> yep. just what came to my brain first. But someone who's going to participate in the sin with you, but it's going to be someone who's really, really strong. Someone who's probably been there before and is not engaging in that activity with you and knows how to hold you accountable to not do that thing and someone you feel open and free enough to to talk about those difficult things and ask those hard questions but also ask is somebody that's going to be able to encourage you when you struggle and remind you of God's grace and that even though you falter, even though you struggle with something, you're still righteous because you've been you've been saved and then you belong to him. Mm-hmm. And so in terms of relationships with others also, we've mentioned this earlier, but being legalistic and judgmental, that goes hand in hand. And we have to be careful not to be hypocritical with people if we're calling out sin in their life while we're doing the very same thing we're calling out. So that goes into Jesus talking about not judging, which is the most misinterpreted, misquoted verse in the world. Yes, for sure. Um, But we, we can't ignore the sin in our lives or others. We have to be able to confront them, but we can only do that if we are growing in holiness ourselves and acting in humility towards them. I think to add to that, Heather, wouldn't you say that a person, that everybody that's pursuing holiness should have accountability in their life? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. You need, you need somebody in your life that you can go to, whether it's a close friend like Rose, you're that for mm-hmm. me. Um, I hope I'm that for you. Yeah, you're that for me. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, But, you know, that and then, um, but if it's not, if you don't have a a good close friend like that, go to your your pastor or your pastor's wife. If you're a female, go to someone you look up to in your church. And maybe that would even be easier if it's something you don't really want to talk about with a close friend or a family member. Mm -hmm. Go talk about it with someone who is godly and wise that you've perceived and share with you know that you need help in this area and i think sometimes going to someone like a third party that doesn't know you that well can be helpful because yeah you really have that extra pull there an example of this is i went to an, a dietitian for a while to help me with some of my dietary issues which that's a whole other topic whole other topic episode <laughs> but, for another um, podcast yeah i have some some food sensitivities but i paid to go to her and she had me on this elimination diet, basically, so I could figure out what was causing some issues I was having. And I don't think I would have kept up with that diet. Well, I know I wouldn't kept up with that diet if I had not been paying her mm-hmm. and going to see her every week. And so knowing that I was going to be held accountable by this third party who I was giving money to. I'm not <laughs> saying you have to pay your accountability partner. But <laughs> right, right. Um, but if you have someone that you are committing to, that you're going to... to walk in holiness and you want them to hold you accountable truly then they're going to do it and that will motivate you to stick with it Mm -hmm. and i think when you have a relationship like that with someone and hopefully it'll be a, a, a heart friend that you're close to I think that it's people that you're going to be praying for on a regular basis mm-hmm. and i think when you're praying and bringing them before the Lord, I think the, the Lord is going to reveal to you things that you can challenge each other with. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important that, you know, we, we may talk about this in an upcoming episode on friendship, but yeah. just the importance of a friend and, and a friend that is willing to pray for you, care for you, that you can go to with your, your challenges, that they can come to you with their challenges, is, is a pretty valuable yeah. gift. So to wrap up this segment, how to be perfect is our one single thought. And what that means, we pursue Christ. We don't pursue the rules. We don't pursue checking off those all, all those little boxes to meet a standard we can't keep. We're not going to achieve perfection, a human perfection, this side of heaven. And the only way we're going to please the Lord is to truly focus on Him and allow Him to change our hearts to become more and more like Him, to become like Christ rather than holding ourselves to those impossible standards. So being perfect, how to be perfect is to be like Jesus. It's continually growing and shifting your focus off of your sin and onto him, seeking him. Yep. How to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Be like Jesus. Okay, Rose, it is time for our one random thought of the day. So my one random thought of the day is... Showers of blessings, showers of blessings we need. Okay, that was a little throwback to an old hymn. It's getting late and we're a little slap We are a little loopy. So my one random thought is showers of blessings. So are you familiar with a law? This is a crazy law that Kentucky has. And for those listening, we live in Kentucky. That all Kentucky citizens are required to shower at least once per year i think i've heard that really but yeah i that is a funny law i wonder what 
spurred that not on. sure what spurred it on other than maybe we have some pretty stinky <laughs> citizens of kentucky but i have to say at least if you shower once a year that's a shower of blessing if you get nothing else the rest mm-hmm. of the year as someone who just recently got cleared to do showers by myself for the first time in a long time i have to say that i love a shower mm-hmm a lot so i will be taking many more than one sh- one shower per year <laughs> but that's a crazy law that was obviously I, I couldn't find the the reason behind it or what started it but uh welcome to kentucky <laughs> so heather what's our our one ricky thought today today i will say my thought is sometimes you just want a blanket without fuzz <laughs> All right, so Ricky has been learning how to walk to a blanket and stay there. So it's basically teaching him how to find a parking place, quote unquote, and stay in one spot until I release him, which we haven't got to the stay part of this yet, but I'm teaching him how to walk to a blanket or eventually a mat as I lay, when I lay it on the floor, he's going to go right to it. I have been working with him on this forever, probably (laughs) since mid-August. I don't know what his problem has been, but he has just not been cooperative. He's been inconsistent. He's not walking to the blanket. And what you're supposed to do is you start out by laying out the blanket, you know, fully laid out where it's Mm -hmm. not folded. And then the cat, as he walks across it, you click when he hits the, the blanket. So you say, okay, I've hit the blanket. That means I did something right. I get a treat. Well, then you... continually fold it in smaller into it's like a little rectangle and he knows it's the blanket so he continually will go to the blanket so that's the logic behind it Mm. well ricky does not like it when it gets smaller he starts going around it so (laughs) (laughs) so i was using this one blanket that he likes it's an old blanket i have it's blue it's fuzzy it's real soft and you know, he has no trouble sleeping on it. And for the life of me, I could not get that cat to, to walk on the blanket consistently. Like he'll, he'll do all kinds of things. He'll walk around it. He'll uh, throw the food on the floor and he'll pounce on it. Like he'll (laughs) wag his tail and jump on. I'm like, this is not what we're trying to do. You're supposed to go to the food, come back and sit on the blanket. And so I send a message to the, to the teacher, the lady that runs the cat school and she she gave me some ideas she's like try a hard platform so like a scratcher like a flat cat scratcher or like a plastic bin Mm -hmm. or something so i tried with like a plastic tub i had and it was elevated and he he went to that fine he loved it i'm like what is the problem why don't you like this blanket and um eventually she said well can try something softer so i found it's a cat bed it's like a little square cushion and he's never used it he for some reason doesn't like to sleep on it but it's not it's just this smoother material he goes right to that mat every time i lay it down that cushion i put it on the floor he goes straight to it and sits down wow and i guess sometimes you just know what you like because whenever i put that blanket down he would not go to it and he's just a little picky a little bougie i don't know (laughs) he's a bougie cat about his mats so the next thing we are working on is well, there's a couple of things. I'm now into the fist bump stage. So <gasps> I'm we're, very excited about the yes, fist bump. <laughs> hopefully we'll have, which is kind of funny because when I do the fist bump with him, he tends to want to roll around on the floor and not actually hit <laughs> my hand. Which, he's just so lazy. 
but we're working on that. And I'm also working on shutting him in a room by himself because sometimes you need to put him in a room, like if maintenance comes over or whatever, right. you got to put the cat away. You can't always have him out. So I've been working on that. And so today I did it for the first time. And there's a method to it where you gradually close them in there for longer periods mm -hmm. and then go in and let him know that you're still there and give him something to occupy his time with. So I've got a little food puzzle that has <laughs> treats in it. And he has to dig them out and stuff. So he's busy. But I set up a camera or my phone in there as a camera and to, to see what his reaction was going to be. And... I was sad because he was meowing and sitting at the door, but then he finally went over and started playing with the toy again. But which is probably what he does every time you leave yeah, the apartment. Pretty much. So, yeah. I think he's fine without me, but <laughs> All right. Well that leads us to our final segment. One single question. Yes. So, Heather, here's today's question. What is something in your life that you've been strict about where you've recently lightened up? Well, since I just talked about my cat, I'll just use this as an example. <laughs> I have tended to be kind of a germaphobe and a little bit of an, a neat freak when it comes to certain things. I mean, I get cluttered a lot of times, but I don't like dirty stuff. And I just, it really bothers me. And when I was getting a cat, when I decided to get a cat, I was trying to prepare myself mentally for everything I was going to be dealing with them. You're going to have poop in your house. You're going to have, you're going to have to clean out the litter box. You're going to have a cat walking on the counter. How are you going to handle this? And so I prepared, as you know, Rose, I mm -hmm. prepared for a long time for this. I had done all oh, kinds yes. of research mm -hmm. and I looked at, you know, how do you keep a cat off, off the counter? There you can put double-sided tape on placemats and put them on the counter. There's all kinds of methods people have tried, which don't always work. So I tried all those and I have pretty much given up <laughs> on the counter surfing. And there is a method, the sit and stay method is going to really help with that. But all that to say, I think having a cat, I think much like when you have children, if you're a parent, it really helps you to lighten up on some ridiculous rules you've had for yourself. And yes. I mean, I still want to be clean <laughs> and I still, you know, want to Clorox everything if he's walking on my counters. But it, having a cat has really helped me to lighten up on some of those, those things that I used to be kind of picky about mm -hmm. but what about you rose so i would say that the area where i've lightened up recently it's kind of come out of necessity more than me just lightening up for the sake of lightening up but i have been known to be very ocd and like you heather i mean i'm not a complete neat freak and i can have mm -hmm. clutter but i like things to be orderly Mm -hmm. I'm probably more about orderly than anything. I like things to be in a certain spot. I'm a very routine person, so I want things to be accessible and in their place. So since I have been in a wheelchair and not able to stand to do anything, uh, I've had to learn to be a little less strict about some of those things. For example, if I can't get something put back exactly where I would have had it before because I can't stand up to do it, I either have to be patient and wait for someone to come and do it for me or just find another place for it. A good example is when I can load the dishwasher pretty easily with stuff mm -hmm. that I use, but let's say if people use plates out of the, the cabinet or yeah. glasses out of the cabinet or things that I can't reach, when I run the dishwasher, well, then I have to have somebody here to help me. But it was funny because yesterday I ran the dishwasher and I was able to put everything away myself because there wasn't anything no. in there that was out of reach. And so that made this my OCD heart feel so good. <laughs> 
But I've had to lighten up on some of those things yeah. because I just can't do them all. And honestly, they're kind of self-imposed legalistic things that don't have to be done. They're just things that, that I prefer. All right. Well, that wraps up today's episode of One Single Thought. We got through episode seven. We are inching towards episode 10, people. I can't believe believe we are seven episodes into this. And can I also just remind our listeners that we just hit 2,000 downloads this week. And we're on a trajectory to hit 5,000 by December. Wow. We've hit a thousand. We've gotten a thousand downloads the last two months. So if we stay on that trajectory, we'll be at 5,000 by December. Isn't that crazy? That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I guess people are interested in what we have to say. I, I don't guess, know why. <laughs> I guess they are, but we're happy to have you along. Yeah. All right. Well, we, we'll be back in two weeks on October 11th. And until next time, don't follow your heart. Follow God. We hope you've enjoyed One Single Thought. Our theme music is provided by Lindsay Cook, and we're so happy you joined us. Please be sure to share this episode with a friend, and don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. We'd love it if you'd rate and review our podcast so more people can find us and join our tribe of listeners. 